Hi, everybody. I died a removal, and I'm Alex. And I'm the sleeve you split from shuffling too hard, Chase. And this is Scry7, the podcast for cool dudes with cool tunes. That's right. And this week, we're going to be covering a whole bunch of different stuff, including some new release dates, some news from Strixhaven, Innistrad, and even Modern Horizons 2, along with some information from Arena and a fond farewell to Wizards Event Reporter. But we'll get to all that later. Chase, what have we recently seen from Strixhaven? I'm so excited about everything that's going to happen with Strixhaven. So uh, recently, Mark Rosewater, one of my five fathers, decided to post... I can, I'm bringing the bit to this piece of content. The bit wow, lives on. That's great. <laughs> I love it. Um, so recently, he posted on his Tumblr, on his blogatog, a teaser before the official previews happened for Strixhaven, which is really cool. He actually teased quite a lot. I was ex- actually kind of surprised at how much he teased. There's a lot to cover, but some things that I think are pretty exciting are there will be pests, bats, insects, snakes, and spiders, which I think is going to be pretty cool. There will be a creature eye bat, which I'm actually really excited because uh, eyes are very funny creature types. And um, <laughs> there's like that one eye of Urborg or something. It's like this big disgusting you know yeah. what i'm talking about i love it uh that's yeah. me in the morning <laughs> um <laughs> i love that we're actually going to be getting a legendary artifact creature construct so i think that's going to be cool we're getting study counters for on some rules text um and a cycle of enemy dual lands to finishing off a 10 card cycle so uh that's just a snippet of the really cool things that i think we're going to be seeing I know that I'm excited. What are you excited from what uh, Maru has yeah, kind of based, shown? Based on what I saw in here, the ones that really jumped out to me were where X is the number of cards in your library is apparently a piece of rules text. Hmm. Uh, the legendary creature construct along with, and I think my favorite one out of the whole thing is a red sorcery that you can have as many copies of in your deck as I want. I yeah. love cards like that, like persistent hmm. petitioners. Uh, the cultists that let you fetch demons. I think those are so cool. Mm. Uh, but what I'm most excited for is a white card that apparently has the rules text, draw three cards. Of course you'd be excited for that. How exciting? How, I'm just excited for it. Also, three X's in a mana cost is always a good time. Yes. And the fact that we're also apparently getting the introduction of a new evergreen keyword, which... Uh, at first, I read that and I went, oh, "Great, Green's getting a new keyword." Because <laughs> you know, I, I was like, "Great, it's it's getting something else." But then I realized that's not what it means. Yeah. So I actually have am, am a clueless, which I love to be going into something and be excited. I think I did one and B. I'm sorry, but the point is, is I'm excited. <laughs> that's that's all right. It goes along with the clueless thing, right? It does. Speaking of something we are completely clueless about, we also found out. The name Z of the Innistrad set Z because it's not just one set, right? It's yes. two, two full different sets. Yes. And that is going to be the werewolf version is called Midnight Hunt, which we didn't really get a lot of story detail, no. but in my head canon, it's basically just Emrakul watching a bunch of furries run around a forest. So that seems good to me. That seems interesting. Um, I think it's a little different. I read that and literally the entire announcement for Midnight Hunt was like, you're going to be hunting for packs. I'm like, okay, we get it. We we love puns. It was filled with puns and there was nothing about it. They were like, there's werewolves. 
in this set, blah, you know, like that's all they said. <laughs> so that's literally what they did. They went, there's werewolves. And I went, okay. <laughs> On the other hand, we also found out about uh, the Innistrad vampire set, which is called Crimson Vow, which seems much more thematic. Which I'm actually so excited about because apparently they did hint at story in this about saying like it's it's going to be encompassing like a vampire wedding uh, on Innistrad, which I think is really exciting. I've already seen some puns on Twitter calling it a bite wedding. You know, if you, you <laughs> instead like of some, a white wedding, yeah, yeah, which I love. But now we're I want to know who do you think is getting married. Ooh, that is a tough question. And, mm-hmm. and the other thing is, is is this already moving the story forward in Innistrad? Are we going back in time to see an older wedding? Mm-hmm. Is this a Voldaren thing, a Markov thing? Maybe a Voldaren and a Markov? Mm-hmm. Who knows? I am going to be extremely honest. When I first saw this, I don't know why, but I, I imagined like old Baron Sengir travels to a different plane and also back in time so that he marries Olivia Voldaren. And then I remembered. like He's from Dominaria? Yes. I, did. I was like, <laughs> it's going to be Baron Segir. And then I was like, hey, wait a minute. Um, he's not on that plane. And then I was like, well, you know what? Like, they've done some weird stuff before. You know, like, it could happen. But I definitely want it to be like, like, super old vampire. Like, like. Like blood money, you know, I don't know how to describe it, like super rich vampire with the power kind of guy. Um, and some like badass vampire lady who's like, I don't want to get married to you, but I'm going to kill you and take your money and unite our vampire clans under my name. So that's that makes mine. sense to me. Actually, <laughs> that'd be kind of cool. Like, what if yeah. it's like a power play and like the whole purpose of the wedding is they're both trying to backstab each other? And that's like the conflict in the set. Oh my gosh, like um like that uh that Ryan Reynolds and um um oh gosh, what's her name? She's 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 an actress. I believe you. <laughs> it's like spy spies. It's a spy movie where they're both spies and they're enemy spies. It's a real thing. Mr. and Mrs. Smith or something like yes, that? Yes, yes, the movie. What if it's like okay, Mr. Great. and Mrs. Smith both with vampires? Yeah, I actually, I, I'd be super down for that, uh, specifically because I think it'd be a lot of fun uh, vis-a-vis watching it happen on TV, or yes. not on TV, but like uh, in those little uh, promotional videos they do, Yeah, you know, yeah. for sets these days. Uh, yes. like the, the, the trailer could just be like uh, Soren and Olivia both like making essentially the same speech with like, yeah. like cutting between each other, talking to like their best man or their uh, bridesmaid or whatever, yeah. right? And just, just describing in exact detail how they're going to stab the other in the back. I think that would be hilarious. Or it could be like, she'll be like, oh, honey, you're a, a fang in my side. You know, like a thorn in my side. That's my joke for oh, the episode yeah. today. Um, Or it could be a vampire hunter disguised as a vampire getting married to a vampire. But then it turns into a twilight situation where the vampire hunter falls in love with a vampire. And they have to resolve those feelings. I wouldn't hate that. That seems pretty good. I have high expectations for this set. I need it to be exactly like Twilight or I'm going to hate it. <laughs> and I'm looking directly to the camera for this this moment. I'm going to hate it. Okay. It's not like Twilight. The one thing I have to ask if that's the case is if we're going to be having the Twilight set, is there going to be a card where the vampires sparkle at any point? Because I feel like that would have to be included. That's the foils. 
You're right. <laughs> You're absolutely <laughs> I right. have put so much thought into this. If they get transferred, I've already talked about this on another podcast before. Uh, Twilight in Magic the Gathering, Jace is going to be Edward Cullen because they can both read minds. You know, you know, I already have this, uh, this laid out flat. You know, I'm ready to pitch this secret lair. <laughs> secret oh lair gosh. Twilight. I kid you not. I would buy it again. I'm looking into the camera for this. I would buy it. Please, wizards, please. OK, so <laughs> there was one other set we got some information about and mm-hmm. that was well, actually two sets. But we already got most of the information about the Dungeons and Dragons set. And that's actually Modern Horizons. And it wasn't like the release date or anything like that. What we heard was is that there are going to be new frame treatments along with the pre-release that we talked about last week mm-hmm. and one other piece of information, and that is that Watsi apparently designed Modern Horizons 2 to a high power level. And so that was something that set off a few alarm bells with some of the fan base, because if you remember Modern Horizons 1, we saw a lot of cards like Hogak, Arkham's Astrolabe, and other cards that came into the meta that really disrupted things. I think Urza, the the powerful one that does things with artifacts, was in there too. Yeah. And it, it, it caused a lot of problems in a lot of places. And so I, I generally trust wizards, by and large, to learn from mistakes. The key is, is what new mistakes might they be making not realizing what's going to happen? I have to say, um, I think I just started doing content right around the time that the GAC was, you know big and swing and same for urza editor jim throw up a picture of like all those tweets people made where like the standings were like seven hogak decks and the eighth one was like mono red or something throw that image up right now on the screen boom there it is that's what it was like and i remember seeing that and going i don't do this but this is the funniest thing i've ever seen because it's like yeah which which hogak deck is gonna win this <laughs> well i remember actually going to a modern tournament right after uh hogak got introduced and borrowing a, a play set of uh leyline of the voids mm-hmm. to play in the burn deck that i had borrowed just so on games two and three i could mulligan down until i had a leyline of the void because otherwise you just lost mm. It was almost as bad as splashing green and blue for Oko back when that was a thing. Do you remember Wurza? I don't know what was in that deck. I just know that Urza was in there, and and that that's my concept of that. But people called it Wurza. <laughs> yeah, because uh, it, it used War of Invention. Yeah, you got it. Mm, see, I'm smart. I know uh, competitive play. Um, yeah, Wurza. So <laughs> we're hoping to see all that. Uh, we also got a bunch of release dates for all these things, so I'm just going to run down those real quick. Uh, we're going to see... Strixhaven official previews kick off this next week on March 25th. That's this upcoming Thursday, if you're listening to this live. Uh, April 15th, it's going to release on MTG Arena and Magic Online. Uh, The pre-release week is the 16th through the 22nd, and the official release is happening on April the 23rd, so just over a month away. Magic uh, Modern Horizons 2 is June 11th. Uh, Pre-release for that is June 4th, like we discussed last week. Adventures in the Forgotten Realms drops on July 16th. Innistrad Midnight Hunt, that's the werewolves one, is on September the 17th, and we have to wait all the way till November for Innistrad Crimson Vow on November 19th. Wait, did you say something coming out in August? Was something coming out in August? Uh, nothing is coming out in August. I just wanted to hear August. Never mind. It was like, ooh, set coming yeah. out of my birthday month. I just was wishing for the world. Continue. I'm sorry. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, no, nothing there. At least not yet. Uh, supposedly, based on the way this uh, press release is structured, it looks like that's going to be all there is for 2021. So I think that's about the end of that. 
Next up, we're going to talk about uh, some fan content that was actually sent in to us at scry7 at gmail.com by a fan of the show. It's actually somebody that I know personally. And she went through and played quite a few games of the new... She went through and played quite a few games of the new historic shakeup that's happening on Arena this week. Essentially, uh, shakeup is basically a soft set of bands. So it went through and banned a few cards out of the meta to make it so that the format would have to adjust a little bit to pr promote some ingenuity and have some new decks try things. It looks like what they banned this time is Collected Company, Muxus, Embercleave, and Thoughtseize. And so you've got a few of those disruptive pieces pulled out, some of those really easy off-the-top finishers that came out. And essentially, it looks like what the tournament report said was, I like running Jund, so I played a bunch of Jund, which let me play my Glorybringers, which is the exert dragon that sort of wipes the field when it attacks. The thing that uh, our player said she saw the most was she missed Elves and Rakdos Arcanists because they didn't have Thought Seas to protect the Rakdos Arcanist lines. And, or not protect, but uh, continually take things out of hand. And Collected Company from Elves to not vomit out <laughs> a bunch of creatures for free. Uh, one of the notable uh, brews they said they saw in about 50 games that they played this past week was five color Golos Gates. And that really grabbed my attention because Golos is sort of a C, not CEDH, but uh, medium power EDH boogeyman right now. It's just sort of five color good stuff piles, you know, mm -hmm. basically Field of the Dead is my commander type stuff. Uh, but what they used it for in the historic shakeup was actually to win with Maze's End. That's the one that says if you control 10 gates with different names, you can win the game. And right now, I think there's 13 or 14 legal gates on uh, Arena, something like that. So that's I pretty cool. I love gates. The one time I played Standard in my magic career of six plus years, I think it's six years, time has no meaning, uh, was I played Wedge's budget, like 20 buck gates deck back in Standard, and it was really fun. Um, and winning with Maze's End, I think, is a really fun and rewarding thing to do. So I love that. <laughs> I think it's really cool. <laughs> I, I think so, too. I, I really like this idea that Watsi's going with on the arena shakeups because it looks like it really opens up the meta to a lot of stuff that you might not otherwise see just because there's so many powerful things that outcompete it. Uh, one of the other ones that I thought was really cool was the paradoxical outcome Aetherflux Reservoir win condition, where you basically just play as many zero-drop artifacts as you can, and then paradoxical outcome using more things to drop them back onto the battlefield, because they basically pick you back up into your hand. Yeah, go ahead, Jason. Is, the, is Historic basically like Baby Commander? Because that's how I win with my Emery deck. Is it, uh, is it Baby, baby commander. commander? Feels like... Mm, I don't... No, nah, it's basically just on. It's online. It's mm, online eternal format is all it is. We just can't know. go around calling things baby commander. That's, I'm it's calling rude. it baby command. I'm kidding. I'm joking. No, I'm sorry. Oh now I feel bad. But all, all, all seventy of our uh, all seventy of our uh, <laughs> historic I'm, listeners are just up in arms. I'm sorry. Uh, historic. Any case, <laughs> I don't. I don't think they're gonna riot too badly. Anyway, we love you, folks. I just want to say thank you so much to specifically Splavocado, which is the listener that sent this into us. If you'd like to have a story featured on this podcast, send it to us, you know, do a little write-up, tell us why we should care about it. Chances are it'll make it on the show, because I thought this was really interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, if I can find a good spot to store it, I'll post the rest of these notes somewhere online, maybe even just tweet them out from the main account, because I really think this is some good in-depth uh, analysis of what Historic Shakeup was like. If you want to check out Historic Shakeup, it looks like it's on for another couple of weeks here on Arena. Uh, so one more piece of news before we go to the chase card. I actually just want to say a, a kind of heartfelt goodbye to something that uh, kind of grew with me as my judge career advanced. 
And that is Wizards Event Reporter, or were, is being decommissioned this next week. On, it looks like, Tuesday, Wizards Event Reporter will no longer be used to run events in shops or at tournaments. I find this just a little bit sad because it means we're going to be moving to the companion app. And so the next time you visit your LGS, you'll have to have your smart device there so you can register yourself using your Wizards account. And you just won't need your DCI number anymore. And that makes me a little bit sad because I've had mine memorized for years now. And, uh, you know, it's just a little bit of a tearful goodbye. But some change is good. And I'm interested to see how the companion app works when it's, you know, actually able to be used. I never did events. I mean, I went to a couple of SCG events and I always took my DCI with me. Um, and even though I wasn't like an event person, I didn't have it memorized. I loved my DCI so much that I, uh, I, um, I didn't have a laminator. So I like did the thing where you tape it and then you cut the tape mm-hmm. so that it's like laminated. Yeah. <laughs> so rest in peace, DCI. I still have mine. Mine's in my car, in the backseat of my car. Weird place for it to be, but that's where it lives in the backseat of my car. I say mine's about three and a half feet to my left here right now. I, could, yeah, I can almost grab it, but not quite. And I don't mm-hmm. want to make that much noise here while we're recording. Uh, but yeah, if you're a judge, uh, pour one out for the forgotten homie Wizards event reporter this next week. And so, Chase, you want us to lead us into the chase card segment? Yes. Alrighty. Do, 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 do. It's the chase card time. This week I'm not doing it because I do it all the time. It's Alex's turn and hopefully <laughs> it's not a red card. Because every time I've done it, I've noticed it's a red card. <laughs> there you go. Well, thank you, Chase. I, I, the lead-in was perfect. Um, th- this week's Chase card is actually uh, not a red card, but it does go in a lot of red decks. And that is Dolmen Gate. Dolmen Gate is a two mana value artifact from I think it's Lorwyn or maybe Morningtide I can't quite tell based on the art set symbol because I'm not that good at those things is the set symbol uh, in the safe of a little elfier uh kind of yeah that's Lorwyn yeah Lorwyn perfect uh it's a fairly cheap card and what it says is it's it's just got a very simple effect but I love it it says prevent all combat damage that will be dealt to attacking creatures you control now on the surface that doesn't do a whole lot right But I actually think it does a ton, especially in a combat-focused red deck, especially if you have effects like Hellrider out that deals damage when you attack, or even, uh, say, a white deck if you have somebody like uh, Linden, the Steadfast Queen. It allows you to get in for damage without having to risk your smaller creatures and get some of those when-this-creature-attacks effects to go off. It's sort of similar to Iroas God of Victory, but it's in a more compact and easy-to-slot-in package. And it's one of those cards that I think fits into a wide variety of decks that are trying to be aggressive with creatures and get those little pieces of incremental combat value. It could even work out in something like a Voltron deck, I think. Yes, I'm sorry. I To the listeners, I literally had a moment where I was just like so absorbed in listening to what Alex was saying that I just kind of zoned out. I do really like Dolmen Gate a lot as a card. Uh, It's funny that you mentioned Linden, Alex, because I actually have... um, Dolmen Gate in my uh, Linden list for my uh, Always Be Brewing article this week, which is coming out this Sunday. You should check it out. But I really like Dolmen Gate because it's just like a nice passive form of protection for your creatures. And I think having that extra security is really good. I'd like to equate it to like a cheaper version of like Reconnaissance. Because Reconnaissance is a little little, little bit pricey. And -hmm. it does protect your creatures during combat. But I really like Dolmen Gate. Um, And I think the more ways that you have to protect your creatures, especially in a creature-heavy deck, I think the better. 
Yeah, especially if, like I said, you had those some of those uh, on-triggered attack effects. Mm-hmm. I think that really just pushes it over the top. Or if you're just the type of person who's trying to trigger things like uh, melee, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the effects from Conspiracy Take the Crown where your creatures get plus one, plus one for each individual player they attack. So it allows you to attack into a unwinning board state sometimes without having to worry about it. Thoughts. Thoughts in my brain right now. Uh, you could do a really cool altar for Dolmen Gate and have uh, Yelvis, you know, what's the meaning of Stonehenge painted on there? <laughs> do you know that? Do you know that song? What's the meaning of Stonehenge? It's a really good song. He's the same guy who did What Does the Fox Say? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah I know yeah, that. Yeah, guy. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, he's, a, he's a serious artist. <laughs> 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 it's a very good song, but it's a really cool alter. I'm just thinking thoughts, speaking thoughts, doing things. Love it, love it. So up last today, we're going to be talking about our main topic for the day, and that is something that I'd like to see a little bit more of in the magic community generally, and that is the idea of relentless positivity. And so it's something that I tend to approach my tournament life with as things I do at a commander table. And what I mean by it is, is I think too often folks, especially more competitive folks, regardless of like what level that is, get too focused on what they couldn't do what they weren't allowed to do. They get focused on things like mana screw or mana flood. Mm -hmm. They get salty about things like control. In Commander, it might express itself as not liking a certain archetype or a type of card that gets used or a strategy or something like that. And one of the things I'd really like to see more of in the community is trying to focus on the things that you do like about the game, even if they're not necessarily your things. And so the way I tend to approach a tournament is by looking at what's going on that's good, regardless of what side of the battlefield it's on. Because I find that most opponents, if you compliment them on the plays they're doing, will open up, will start to talk to you about what they find cool about their own deck, as as well as what they find cool about your deck. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really cool thing to do. Ultimately, magic is more of a social thing, and I think I'd like to see a little bit more focus on the positive things rather than the negative things. Have you ever worked with that or seen anything like that i've said this many times before but i love losing in cool ways i think that's my most probably my favorite thing about magic is is winning's cool winning's fun and yeah sometimes i get like really into winning um but i love losing in like really cool weird ways i um Oh god, I'm just trying to like think because uh, <laughs> there's so many weird ways that you could win like um the other night, I lost to one of my favorite ways. When I played against Stephanie, we were playing Commander, and she did my favorite thing ever, which is a fiery emancipation with a partner commander, with the other commander being Kedis. And that just oh boy. triples the damage, and then that damage just tripled again, and I think that's hysterical. I love it. I just love losing in really weird ways. Like, okay, take your entire library in your hand, and then they make you draw, and you're like, can't, so I die. I just think stuff like that is really fun and it's probably my favorite thing to experience in Commander. Or if losing in a really cool way is an option, winning in a really cool way is an option. Like when falling into uh, a Nexus of Fate, casting Nexus of Fate, and then win- and then playing a Winds of Change and then drawing my Nexus of Fate again. That's happened to me before um, where I've Nexus <laughs> twice. To take two extra turns and win with combat damage is funny. It's funny. That's I amazing. love it. And, and this is and this is exactly what I mean. Is so many people talk about, especially in Commander, they talk about all the fun games they've had, but I, I rarely hear from folks the way they they've lost in those games mm-hmm. that are, that have been just as much fun for someone. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that ultimately we just spend too much time trying to focus on maximizing our own fun rather than maximizing all the fun. And I think a lot of people don't realize, especially in some of the content creator communities, how much saying this is the way that things are good, it can come off as an objective statement rather than the subjective statement that it really is. And so just making sure that we're being inclusive and trying to say all fun is fun is, I think, a very important message to put out there. And it's something we can model ourselves. I always really like to heavily lean on rule zero conversations uh, for this kind of stuff. I like to run weird uncards. I run Tybalt the Chaotic in in a deck, in my Chandra deck. I'll swap it out if people don't want me to. But I played a really fun game and my opponent with, with Tybalt the Chaotic was completely mana screwed completely mana screwed he had like two lands out and i upticked tybalt and i randomized by rolling a d6 and i ended up both times i upped him doing the thing where your opponent sacrificed a land and he lost his mana base and i was like i'm i'm gonna kill tybalt he's like no do it it's fun that way like literally he was like you have to follow it through because that's what makes it fun is like what are the odds that <laughs> both times right? I randomly roll and he his mana base is cut down and me, I'm feeling that and I'm apologizing. He's like, no, the competitive player in me is telling me, don't go easy on me. This is fun. Just play it out. It's just really funny to just have those experiences where you can just do the cool thing and you're not doing it to like just be mean, but you're doing it and you're like, oh my God, you know, like I've won and I felt guilty about it. People were like, game's got to end and it was a cool way to lose. So I just exactly. really like that that perspective you know it, it you you leave with a cool story or i leave with a cool story exactly and i think that's i think that's the whole core of the message is, is that there are ways to approach games that don't that don't use the subjective nature of what you personally find fun to define mm-hmm. it for everyone else yeah and i think approaching games especially especially games like magic where at best 50% of the time you're going to win and even worse in commander where at best 25% of the time you're going to win. If you're only focused on, if the only way for you to have fun is to win, I don't think you're going to have a good time. And so a lot of the competitive players I know, they actually don't focus on winning so much as they focus on clean mm-hmm. play, good stories, making good decisions that they can talk about later to see whether it was right or it was wrong. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think to see more of that at every level of play, but especially in those more tense competitive environments like tournaments once they're back i think we'll have a lot more fun as a community i personally uh like to lean on the fact that i recently tried cdh it's definitely not my cup of tea but i will never forget my ability to cast a turn one goto and did i win that game not a chance, but I did turn <laughs> one Goto, and that's pretty sick. So, <laughs> yeah. It, it, it ultimately, at the end of the day, the thing that makes Magic fun is the little stories. Because I can't remember the last time I won a game of Commander, but I can remember a lot of times where I've been prevented from winning by a cool play. It's the Gathering that makes Magic good. <laughs> well, you're absolutely right about that. Any case, I think we're at the end of what we had for today, but I just want to say a quick shout out and thank you to, again, our listener who sent in some stories for us. If you want to do that yourselves, please send it in to, you know, either even the Twitter account at Scry7 on Twitter mm-hmm. or Scry7 at gmail.com. If you mm-hmm. want to do it via email, we really appreciate knowing what you want to hear about. So yeah. please just let us know. Editor Jim, 
make the email appear right here that people can send the thing to. <laughs> right there. There's the email. Wonderful. And then Wonderful. I ate the email. Oh, he, he's Sorry, not going to do that. He's I don't not blame do- him. <laughs> Any case, I, I just want to say thank you once again uh, for everybody who listens. Uh, I've been Spike Feeder Alex. You can check me out on Twitter, and all the Spike Feeder stuff is in my bio there. So please check it out. If you're watching this on YouTube, just stick around. We'll have another video for you. And Chase, uh, I'm honorary Spike Feeder Chase, except not really. <laughs> um, I am. I almost said Spike Feeder Chase is my Twitter. That's not it. Uh, my Twitter is Manicurves. Uh, I'm a commander content creator, and I write articles about collaborative deck building, and I also do paper commander gameplay, and you should follow me on Twitter because I'm close to 10,000 followers, and that's when I'm going to start making bold hot takes in the community but turn the replies off. And when I say bold hot takes, I mean, like, um, let's ban green as a color and just turn off replies and revel in that <laughs> madness. So if you want to see me do that, then give me a follow on Twitter. <laughs> that, that seems wonderful. All right, folks. Well, thank you once again, and we'll catch you next week. Some production provided by Spike Feeders Radio. If you have questions, concerns, conniptions, comments, or just want to have something featured on this show, be sure to send it to scry7 at gmail.com. Or just add us on Twitter at scry7.